Well, it's prayer and healing school, and uh, we're on a journey to look at every healing that takes place in the Bible. And uh, we've done all the healings in the New Testament, and we're going to begin our journey of uh, looking at healings in uh, the Old Testament. Um, and uh, we're just going to um, let the Lord lead us and see how far we get in the, New T- in, the Old, in the Old Testament. Now, you have to understand that we do not live under the Old Testament law. There's things that occurred in the Old Testament that we no longer practice uh, because we're in a new and a better covenant. But that does not mean that we throw the Old Testament out because the New Testament is based on the Old Testament. And there are principles. uh, The principles of God never change, never fade, never go away. The principles stay with us. So as we go through the Old Testament, we may see some things uh, that we kind of like tilt our head at um, that we're like, uh, that's not cool. But in the Old Testament, uh, because the earth was in its infancy, as you know, the, the earth as we know it uh, was in its infancy, um, the, the genetics were not corrupted uh, like they are now. Um, and so we're starting in the book of Genesis, and in the book of Genesis, um, you know, uh, people that were related to one another or married and had children, uh, because they were working to um, <clears throat> fill the earth, uh, the, there were several, um, men had several, they had a wife or two wives, but they also had concubines, um, that's Old Testament world. That's not New Testament. Uh, we do not have multiple uh, spouses. Uh, there were women that had multiple husbands, uh, you know, um, or multiple partners. Um, that doesn't happen today. Uh, and, and there's reasons, even bi- there's biblical reasons for that. Um, so as we go through here, uh, some people sometimes will look at the Old Testament and say, well, they did it in the Old Testament, I can do it. No, 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 no. Uh, that's not so. We live under the New Testament. Uh, we've been in prayer, so we're going to just jump right to, we're going to pray for the, for the teaching of the Word, but then we'll jump right into it. You want to pray? You want me to pray? Oh, I'll pray. Okay. Lord, we thank you for being here with us, and we thank you for uh, giving us the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right for here and now for those here and those listening online and lord we just thank you for being with us and revealing yourself to us and helping us to understand healing better through the old testament in jesus mighty name thank you father well i just heard the spirit speak let's go to genesis chapter one real quick genesis chapter one let's talk about real quick um where did sickness come from uh is it of god uh and things like that no, sickness is not of God. Uh, we read in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Um, that's waters. Um, uh, and it says, um, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Uh, this is where, if you really dig into this and research this, there was a primeval uh, flood that took place on the earth uh, prior to the position of the earth today. Um, and at that position, that's when God 
uh, came in and the Spirit moved upon the earth and we go through creation. And this chapter tells us about creation. And it says time and time again, um, look at verse 3, and it says, and God said. And then in verse 5, and God called. In verse 6, and God said. In verse 8, and God called. In verse 9, and God said. In verse 11, in verse uh, 10, and God called. Verse 11, and God said. And on and on and on and on. All through this chapter, I think there's probably, I think if I remember correctly, there's about 21 accounts of God said or God called. The things that God created, he did so by the words of his mouth, were created in his image. But I want you to get to the last uh, verse here, verse 31, Genesis 1, 31, and let's see what this says. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. It says... That word, it, is italicized, is, uh, and behold, was very good. Uh, does it say God looked around and saw sickness and disease? No. Have you ever had sickness or disease attack your body and thought, man, That's this is really, really good. good. This is really good. Oh, I like this. Yes, Lord, Father, God, give me some more sinus drama. Is that how yes. it went today? <laughs> no? Yes, Father, God. <laughs> Ooh, I like this stomach upset. Let's have some more of that. Ooh, Father of God, these insects causing me to itch and have a rash. Ooh, that's real good. Bring me some more. Did it, does any of that, does it say that anywhere? No. 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 Everything that God created and everything that God put on the earth was not just good, but it was, it was very, very good. good. Very good. Now, and, and people say this all the time. They say, well, God created Satan. No, God did not create Satan. God created Lucifer. And Lucifer was the most beautiful of all of the angels, of all of the cherubim, and he held a high office in heaven. God's creation of Lucifer was very, very good. But somewhere in the material, in the makeup of, of Lucifer, somewhere in there, it, the Bible says that iniquity was found in him. In other words, it wasn't placed in him. It was found in him. And because of that iniquity, because of that sin, because of that hatred, because of that evil Envy. that was found in him. Envy and pride. Uh, which created pride, which created envy, which created him to elevate, lift himself up above God. God said, mm, nope, and it says, the Bible says that with the, with the finger of God, he was removed from heaven. I see it as a pinky flick. God said, no, we're not putting up with your behavior. Pinky flick, and out of heaven he went to the earth. Well, but God, when God created, I mean, God's, God created everything very good, but he put the devil here. Yes, he allowed the devil to come. This is where the devil landed, absolutely. But I want you to go and look at verse 27. Verse 27 of chapter 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Keep going. Oh, you said 27. I know. Keep and going. God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I should have said 26, but that's okay. We'll look at 28. Notice what it <laughs> says. He said, be fruitful and multiply, replenish or fill the earth and do what with it? Subdue it. Subdue it. Subdue it. So yes, God knew that Satan was on the earth, but he also gave them power and he gave all of mankind power and dominion to keep Satan, uh, to keep Satan in check, to keep Satan uh, in rule. He said, subdue it. In fact, basically what God said is everything I've created is very, very good. Everything that I've created is very, very good. But here's what you need to know. There's something here that you are going to need to exercise dominion and power over. Um, and guess what? Adam and Eve failed. How, when did they fail? Go to chapter 3. Really, look at verse 26. That one's even better yet. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion, dominion over power, the authority. Uh, basically, God said, This very good place belongs to you, mankind. Now it's your job to keep it very good. Yes. It's your job to keep it very good. Our job to keep the earth very good has not changed. It has not changed. Um, our power and our ability has changed because Satan deceived Adam and Eve. Uh, look in chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read just a few things here. Now the serpent was, was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Keep going. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Now right here, the serpent, now if you haven't thought this through, need you think this through, it didn't surprise Eve that a serpent was talking to her, that an animal was talking to her. There was no surprise there. There was no surprise there. This was a common place. This is a common assurance. But she just got done saying at least part of what God said. She said, God said we're not to eat it. Now, she added her own thing to it with don't touch it. And here's the deal. How much, you know, we, we tend to do that. We tend to just kind of put extra safeguards. So she went from saying, well, God told us not to eat it. So just to put a double layer of protection between me and that thing I'm not supposed to eat, I'm just going to say we're just not even going to touch it. But over time, that kind of, she forgot. She kind of mushed her words and God's words together. And that happens a lot with healing. It happens a lot with sickness. People mesh their ideas and God's ideas together. And so she meshed them together, and she said, oh, we're not even supposed to touch it. The indication is, is the serpent backed her into the tree and said, see, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. You, didn't, you touched it, and you didn't die. See, this is why we can't have conversations with the devil, because he'll trap us. Um, but, but the indication here is he said, you, now he always tells a lie. We saw that this morning. All Satan can do is not, he can't do anything but lie. So he backed her into the truth, backed her into the tree, wrapping his lie in a truth. Uh, the, the truth was when she touched the tree, she didn't die. But the lie was that when you eat of it, 
you're going to die. How are you going to die? Spiritually. Spiritually. And the other thing is, is when we were created in the garden, we were created with no sickness and we were created to never physically die. We were created to never physically die. So when they, let's read just a little. So when did death and sickness enter? Well, we're going to find out here just a few minutes, just a few verses. All right. Verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Notice that little G God, that little G, that little G. He didn't say you're going to be like him. He said you're going to be like little G gods. In other words, basically what he was saying is he knows the day that you eat of it, you're going to be just like me. That's what he was really saying. You're going to be just like me, the devil. It's really what he was saying. But he packaged it in a way that the emotion of the flesh went, ooh, that sounds nice. How much do you know? Adam and Eve, they were already like God. They already had dominion. They already had power. They already had authority. The only thing that they didn't have was a knowledge of evil. Well, how much do you know? Um, If you think about the evil that you have knowledge of, don't you think your life would be better if you just didn't even know about it? You didn't even know. Has anybody ever told you about something evil and you went, oh, I just wish I hadn't known. I just wish I hadn't known. You know, I'll uh, give you a good example. That movie, uh, Sound of Freedom, is out and it's talking about human trafficking and the selling of children for sex and all this different stuff is what the whole movie's about. How much do you know? I mean, it's good to be informed, but how much do you know after you went and saw it, you thought, man. Didn't need that knowledge. I, I really could have done without that knowledge. I mean, we have to know about it to fight it and understand it. That's why it's out there. But the reality of it, how much do you know? I'd rather not know that. I'd rather not know that. So um, so he, he's like, oh, he basically made them feel like they were missing out on something. And all they were missing out on was stuff that they didn't want to begin with. Glory to God. Let's keep going. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat this was the moment that everything in the world changed this is the moment that everything changed because god said the day that you eat of it you will die the moment that they not it wasn't the moment that she touched the tree it wasn't the moment that they put, that they picked the fruit it wasn't the moment that they held the fruit in their hand that wasn't the moment the moment was it, it, the moment was not even when they actually took a bite and chewed it the moment was when they swallowed it when you swallow the lies of satan that's when death enters in that's when it enters in and that's when that's when sickness and disease, decay, and corruption entered the world. Entered the world. Now, the world and even uh, humans were a little slow to, to really see this corruption taking place. Um, but this is the moment that plants became poisonous. Uh, one of the biggest lies out there is, well, God created marijuana. No, he didn't. He created the plant Satan corrupted the plant and made it poisonous. Seriously. 
Satan corrupted the plant and made it poisonous so that he could use it as a counterfeit for the Holy Ghost. That's why, that, that's, that's the reality of it. Uh, thorn, plants didn't have thorns in the garden. Those came as part of the curse. Animals didn't eat each other. That was part of that. That came as part of the curse. And we didn't need animals. And we didn't need animals. That that's all part of the curse. Um, this, the, and all of this and this progressively has gotten more and more and more and more over the thousands of years of the earth since the garden. Why? Because of sin in the earth. The more sin which is choosing to do wrong when you know to do right, the more corruption that we ourselves and the earth produces. We, we, uh, this, is, this is sowing and reaping working against us. Okay? Now, how do we know that this is the moment? Read verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Immediately, they knew that they were cut off from God. Up until this point, they were clothed in the glory of God. They were clothed in the glory of God. But the moment that they ate was the same moment that the glory of God, the clothing of the glory of God was cut off from them. And all of a sudden, they realized this is no longer an okay situation. Um, and if you'll go jump over to verse 17. Jump over to verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. When, so when did the, when did the ground become cursed? When, they, when ate. they ate, when they ate, this is when it. Be, this is when the ground uh, began to produce poisonous plants, thorny plants. This is when, up until this point, the garden produced all the food that they needed. Now, because of the curse, now in order to get food, you have to work the ground. Look at what it says. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Now, in sorrow, that doesn't mean sadness. That means in, in labor. In labor. You're going to have to labor. You're going to have to work for this. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou returneth unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. How much do you know when you die, your body goes back to dust? It does. Rather, you put your, rather somebody puts your body in an oven and makes it go to dust quickly, or your body goes in the ground and it happens slowly over time, your physical body goes back to dust. It doesn't matter. So here's the deal. When did disease, when did sickness? See, here's what you have to understand. Disease, if you break that word down, it means to be, it's to be not, yeah, it's to be dis at ease. You're no longer at ease. And what disease does is disease brings death, brings death, okay? Now, um, so this is the moment that sickness and disease entered and death. and death entered the earth. And it entered the earth through the work of Satan, 
through the work of Satan. So we have to understand that if you are dealing with sickness, if you're dealing with disease, if you're dealing with any of those things, it's not because God put it on you. It's because the earth is cursed. Now, sometimes, in fact, the, I, I, my personal opinion is the majority of the time, sickness and disease comes because of our own choices of sin. Our own choices of sin. Uh, I guarantee you, uh, if, we could, if, if the doctors could make everybody to stop drinking, smoking, overeating, eating the wrong things, and all of this stuff, that would probably take care of a large percentage of the diseases in the world. It would probably take care of a large percentage of them. See, it's our choice, it's our, it's our choices to do things wrong that brings sickness and disease. Uh, I guarantee you, if people would start treating, um, sexual activity the way that God created it to be handled, that that would take, a, that would, that would, I mean, literally, STDs would go out the window. It would go out the window. Just because science has allowed medicine, has allowed mankind to have the ability to treat certain sicknesses that come because of improper sexual relationships doesn't mean, listen to me, doesn't mean that those relationships are okay just because we figured out how to treat them. Just because we figured out how to treat them doesn't make them okay. So we have to understand. Why is that important? I don't know. Somebody needs to hear it. We need to understand that sickness and disease does not come from God. So, Also, considering we're talking about healing, we have to understand that sickness and disease stem from sin. That's exactly it. Now, does that mean if I never sin, I never have to deal with sickness and disease? I would love to say that that's the case, but it's not true. Why? Because we live in a very corrupted world. Right. But, but Do what, Miss Kathy? The, come, yes. the thief comes to still kill and destroy. You can be living perfectly, completely right, but because sickness and because sickness and disease is now plentiful in the earth, guess what? Sickness and disease is going to come knocking on your door. And Satan but, is and going to come. Sickness and disease entered into the earth originally in the garden That's when right. the original sin was committed. That's right. And and it's it's just become more and more and more ever since then. Yes. So, let's look at the first healing in the New Testament. The first healing that takes place in the New Testament is Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20. We're going to look at this one. And this is where Abraham prays for King um, uh, Abimelech. Abimelech. So, Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. Let's read. All right. And Abraham journeyed from thence towards the south country, and dwelled between Kadesh and Sur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Okay, now, I said, not everything that happens in the Old Testament means it's okay for you to do. How much you know Abraham just... Abraham actually just told what we call a half lie. Abraham just told a half lie. Because, that sounds like a whole lie to me. <laughs> well, you have to understand the genealogy. You have to understand the genealogy. Sarah and Abraham were actually brother, I think, I think they're actually half brother and half sister. 
They're actually, they are actually related. Well, that's incest. That's not okay. Well, that's true. However, this was at the beginning before human DNA was so severely corrupted that if you have relations with close people, you end up with birth defects. Their DNA was almost perfect at this point. So at this point, there was no law against marrying a great, uh, a, a great, a closely related family member. True. So this, so he, he didn't. And again, how much do you know we can all justify our white lies? He's like, well, he said, you know, he said, he, th this is my sister. Well, she is technically, but how much do you know she's his wife first? So let's find out why he told this lie, because it tells us why he lied. All right. Verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For, well, actually, you could take out uh, but. but and said, thou, thou art but, yeah. yeah, thou a dead man. Okay, for, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Do you think God likes it very much when somebody takes somebody else's wife? No. He came, God came to Abimelech in a dream. Abimelech hadn't, hadn't even done anything with Sarah yet. All he did was he added her to the concubines. All he did was took her into the palace as his own. He hadn't, he hadn't slept with her. He hadn't done anything with her. He had done nothing with her, but other than took her into his ownership. And God said, Abimelech, you're a dead man. God takes this very seriously. And he said, and here's why you're a dead man. You're a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, uh, in other words, you've taken her as your own, you're, ta you're taking ownership of her, and she's a man's wife. God does not play around. Now, uh, so how much you know, that got Abimelech's attention. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto, said he not unto me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands have I done this. So God was about to judge Abimelech for something that he had not yet done. Not yet done. And now we find out that not only did Abraham, I mean, did Abraham lie, but Sarah also lied. She said, yep, he's my brother. She also lied. They both lied. And God said unto him in a dream, yes, I know thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore, I suffered thee not to touch her. So he said, yep, I know it. And that's why I didn't even let you touch her. Yeah. So, so God, God protected Abimelech in the moment. He said, you know, have you ever gone to sin? Ever, ever started to kind of get yourself into trouble? And there's a scratch on the inside. There's a scratch on the inside. Mm, don't do that. Mm, 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 don't do that. How much you, that, guess what? That happened in the Old Testament too. Yep. God restrained her. See, God, of course, they didn't have the, the Holy Spirit on the inside, so he had to come in a dream. Right. But, but before he even went to bed, there was a scratch. There was a something on the inside that said, mm, nope, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Let's keep going. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet 
and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Which means the whole country, the whole nation. God doesn't play around with sin. And the reason that God doesn't play with sin is because God knows. Now, here's the deal. Was God going to kill Abimelech? No, because death is not in him. Basically, what was going to happen is Satan set Abimelech up. Satan put fear in Abraham and in Sarah. He put fear in them to get them to lie. This is all the tactics of Satan. Satan whispered in Abimelech's, I mean, in Abraham's ear and said, if he finds out she's your wife, he's going to kill you so he can take her as his own. And so Abraham, out of fear, lied. And then not only did he lie, but he said to Sarah, he said, Sarah, if they find out that you're my wife because you're beautiful and you're fair, they're going to kill me and he's going to make you his wife. Yep. So, so Sarah, you need to lie too. This is how Satan works. What was he trying to do? He was trying to get them into sin so that he could bring death and destruction to their life. Satan wants to get you into sin so that he can come against you. And, God, and basically what would have happened if King Abimelech had taken Sarah as his wife, then he, they, would have been a, they would have been in sin. He, because he represents the nation, he and the nation would have been in sin against God, and God would have been required to lift his hand of protection and allowed Satan to take these people out. So he said, listen to me. He said, listen. He said, Abimelech, he said, you better restore. He said, because if you don't restore, I'm going to remove my hand of protection, and it's going to cost you and your entire nation. It's going to cost you and your entire nation. How much do you know, um, we talk about the generational curses. If you get over there and you read, when we get over there towards Deuteronomy 28, you're going to find out that God said, he said, the curse is going to come upon you and your generations or your family or your nations. When God removes a hand, it's from the whole line. And so you don't want that to happen. Let's keep going. All right. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears. And the men were sore afraid. Well, of course. He just, the, God just threatened their entire nation. That's right. That means them too. That's right. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee? That thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin. Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. Well, where did this thought come from? Satan. Satan, right? And yet, and, and he didn't take it captive. He didn't, right. he, didn't, he didn't cast it from him. He, right. he let it play in his mind, and it, and it caused him to be in sin. That's right. And yet, indeed, she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. See, they're half-siblings. Half and it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house... That I said unto her, this is, and this was before they ever came to Abimelech's kingdom. 
That God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said unto her, This is thy kindness which thou shalt show unto me. At every place whither we shall come, say of me, He is my brother. And Abimelech took took sheep and oxen and manservants and woman servants and gave them unto Abraham and restored him Sarah his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleases thee. Not only did Abimelech repent and return Sarah, but look at what it says. It says that, it says that he took sheep and oxen, manservants and maidservants and gave them to Abraham. Why? Because he, he, he basically said, Listen, I didn't mean to offend you. I didn't mean to, to cause problems. I didn't mean to put this position on you. Not only, God said that he would take care of his people. Not only, now this seems weird. It seems almost like Abraham and Sarah are being rewarded for lying. It's what it seems like. What They're being rewarded for lying. No. God understood that they were in, um, that, that they, what God was trying to do is God was trying to show them his loving kindness and his loving mercy. He was establishing a relationship with them. He was establishing the, he was established, God was establishing his goodness with Abraham and Sarah. He was showing Abraham and Sarah, not only am I going to rescue you out of the hands of kings, but I'm also going to give you provision. How much do you know? It's a good thing when you come into the kingdom of God and God starts to bestow blessings upon you. Listen, the blessings that get bestowed upon you is not because the people are just because the people are just like, here, let me show you how wonderful I am. No, the blessings of God are there because God wants you, the new believer, to understand his loving kindness and to understand that he is your provider, that he is your provider. And so that's what he was doing with Abraham and Sarah is he was showing them. He said, listen, this king is righteous, and he, therefore he was able to use the righteousness of this king to provide provision for Abraham and Sarah. Because if this king wasn't righteous, how much you know that dream wouldn't have fazed him? No. The dream wouldn't have fazed him. He would have been like, okay, God, sure. He honestly wouldn't have been even in position to receive the correction of God. But he was in position to receive, um, because remember God said, thou art a righteous king. And so he used so he used these guys to uh, he used Abimelech the goodness of Abimelech to show Abraham and Sarah his loving kindness and in return look at what they did verse fifteen or sixteen verse sixteen and unto Sarah he said behold I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver behold he is to thee a covering of the eyes. Unto all that are with thee and with all other, thus she was reproved. He correct. In other words, he said, he, and, and the Mimlech said, listen, he said, you agreed to sin. He said, now I gave him a reward and I helped him. He said, but from this point forward, uh, don't do this to anybody else. The king, the king uh, rebuked, reproved, corrected. How much do you know? When he corrected Sarah, he also corrected Abraham. He said, Abraham, yeah, I gave you a thousand silver coins, but don't ever do this again. That's the loving kindness of God. When you step into sin, 
He says, okay. He said, I'm going to have mercy on you this time. But don't make this mistake again. Don't make this mistake again. Well, I thought this is healing. Oh, it is healing because we just got to get a little bit more. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So we don't know. We, we have no idea how, how long Abraham and Sarah were in Abimelech's care. We have no idea how long uh, Abimelech's wife or handmaidens were not able to bear children. But apparently this had been going on for a little while. For a little while. In this situation, God closed up their wombs not because of the sin that Abimelech did, but because of the sin that Abimelech was going to do. Now, does God bring sickness because of the sin that you're going to do in the future? No. But this is Old Testament. This is Old Testament. Did he bring the sickness upon them at this point? No. God was under the Old Testament. He was letting King Abimelech know, King, it's not all about you. You're not all powerful. If I want to close up the... Because here's the deal. In, in that time, if you did not have children and multitudes of children, that was a disdain against your family. And it, remember we read... In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that God said, be fruitful and multiply. So for them to not be multiplying meant that they were going against God. They were out of the will of God. They were out of the will of God. But can they be held accountable for being out of the will when they're incapable of getting pregnant? No. Uh, so, But look at this. I want you to see this in verse. In, uh, but God had this all set up for a reason. It says in verse 17... He says, and Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech. This word healed is the very first place that in the original Hebrew language we see the word rapha. R-A-P-A-H, rapha. This is the first place that we see rapha, and this is the first glimpse that the people of God get to see that God is Jehovah rapha, the God who heals. Rapha, another way many times uh, we talk about it when we call Jesus the great physician, what we're saying is Jehovah Rapha. And so here, this is a, he, he says, so really what we say here is he said, and Abraham prayed unto God and God, or Jehovah Rapha, God healed Abimelech and his wife. So this is the first place in the first healing in the Bible that we see. The, reason, the whole reason that the healing took place was because a believer of God prayed. So one of the best, so you can he, you can receive healing through prayer. We believers, unbelievers, you they can be healed through the power of prayer through a believer praying. This is the first place we see this. Glory to God. Now we've got in the next, now, so this is the first healing. Now we've got another healing, um, but we actually have to back up to see some things about this next healing. Uh, we've got to, um, glory to God, let's go to Genesis chapter 12. 
Genesis 12. So we're going to back up a little bit. Well, I thought that was the first healing. Well, we've got to set the stage. Genesis 12, uh, verse 2. We're going to read just this one verse. All right. And God says... I hear pages turning, so we'll give you just a minute to get there. And in this verse, God's talking to Abraham, to Abram. To Abram. It's before he's before he's called Abraham. That's right. All right, and it says in verse two, it says, "I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing." So here, this is the first time that God promises Abram that Abram is going to have children, and that God is going to. Um, make him a, a, this is the first time the promise of Abraham or Abram being made the father of many nations is made. Now let's go over to chapter. Hang on, because it it goes on a little bit here and it helps. It says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So he's talking more about that blessing. Uh, because he's going to be a father of many nations, and, and that's how they're going to be blessed. And then it goes on and it says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Harden. So at the point where he where God first says, Hey, I'm going to make you a father of na- many nations, Abraham's already 75 years old. He's already the age. How much do you know? Uh, if you've never been able to, if you're 75 years old and you never have had children, um, how much do you think that when you hear that, you're going to have to ha- struggle through some unbelief? Yep. Yeah. You're going to have to, you're going to have to go through some unbelief. You're going to have, that's going to have to go through some things. Many times people will hear the promise of God. I want to teach you something about healing right now. Some people, uh, have to hear the word and hear the word and ha- and, and be spoken to by God multiple times before it'll actually hit their spirit and they can mix it with faith. It's one thing to hear that you can be healed in your head. It's an entire another thing for it to hit your spirit and be mixed with faith. You've got to get your believing out of your head and into your spirit because it's in the spirit that faith is mixed with what you hear. So here, Abram heard it in his head, but I guarantee you, he looked at God and went, yeah, okay. Like, this sounds great. This sounds good. Like, this is really, I've never heard anything like this, God. Like, this is amazing. But how much do you know? There was some doubt and unbelief in his heart. Now, let's just jump over to chapter 13, verse 6. 16? Uh, yes. Yep. I'm sorry. Chapter 13, 13, verse 16. 16. 16. I'm <laughs> <Okay>. sorry. <laughs> and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. So this is God talking to Abram again. He says, he says, and he's telling him that your children are going to be so numerous, they're going to be like the dust on the earth. That's a lot. Now he's, he, he was 75 years old when he said it the first time. A little bit of time has passed. There's been a few things that have happened since then. Um, and uh, now he's going, okay, Abram. He said, just by the, by the way, he said, not only are you going to have a child, but you're going to have so many descendants. It's going to be like the dust of the earth. So that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Well, everybody knows that it's impossible to do that. Now, here's the deal. It was hard enough to receive that word the first time. And God says, listen, I'm going to give you a child. He's, he's probably pushing close to 80 at this point. 
He says, I'm going to give you a child. He said, not only am I going to give you a child, but you're going to have so many descendants that it's going to be numbered like the dust of the earth. How much do you know? I think that just elevated my level of doubt and unbelief. Right. I think my level of doubt and unbelief just went from, yeah, I got that God to, uh, God, God, I'm over I, 75 years old. You didn't give me one yet. How's that going to happen? I, God, I think you're mistaken. Like, how much do you know? That just, that just, I mean, like, like, he's meeting with God. God's talking to him. This is super exciting. And in the moment, he receives it. But then he walks away, and he's like, Really? And this is what we do with healing. We hear a fantastic message. The anointing is present. You feel the presence of God. It's right there. And you're like, yeah, I got it. But then, after you walk out, after the anointing lifts, you go, really? Doubt and unbelief surface. Mm-hmm. Doubt and unbelief surface. And so what will happen sometimes is people go, well, I got prayed for it, so I'm good. Well, yeah, you got prayed for it, but you had doubt and unbelief working. You had doubt and unbelief. So, you and know. Of course, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. So he's going to steal that word that you just heard, that word right. that, you're saved, or that you're saved or that you're healed. And he's going, to, he's going to work at you putting doubt, seeds of doubt in you. Yeah. So that you'll start to doubt that healing. Yep. And so, that, that's the same kind of stuff. Now, here, here we see Abram. He's getting spoken to directly from God. And yet, he's going to have doubt too. Yep. And yet he's going to hear doubt. Genesis 15. Let's right. turn to Genesis so, 15. So that was twice. Now, after these things, the the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, Hold saying. When you, you, I said chapter 15, and you started reading. Oh. Chapter 15, verse 1. Yeah, verse 1 through 4. Chapter 15, we're looking at verses 1 through 4. Sorry. I thought you'd already said that. Part. No. Okay. okay. So after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Look at that. He said, fear not. Doubt and unbelief will make you fear. Doubt and unbelief will rob you of your healing. Doubt and unbelief will rob you of what God has spoken to your heart and spoken to your body. He said, Abram, don't be, because how much do you, Abram's thinking, there's no way. There is no way. Like, we got to make this thing happen. Like, come on. And God said, fear not. This is another one of those choice times where we have to choose. And he said, Abram, I've got you. I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. Listen, if you've been dealing with chronic sickness, how much do you know when God heals that, it's a reward to your life? It's a reward to your life. Let's keep going. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give? What wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house, or or his or the heir to his house is Elizer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold. Or and Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. So that's three times now he's promised that he's going to have children. Yep. So three. So this is the third time that God has spoken to Abram. This is the third time that the Lord had that the Lord gave Abram a word. 
I am going to heal you. I am already healed. I'm, I'm, you're healed. You're going to have children. It's already done. It's already finished. I'm going to do it. But here, Abram is still in doubt and unbelief. He's starting to hear it. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he's heard it and he's heard it and he's heard it. And God has never changed what he has said. So what do you, what do you believe is happening? He's starting to get into faith. All right. So we're going to go on. And, he, and in verse 5 it says, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. So not only is, is his heir going to come from his bowels, but he's going to have so many descendants that they'll be more numerous than the stars. More than the dust, more than the stars. Keep going. And verse 6, and he believed in the Lord. So this is where Abram finally believes on the third time. And, well, and technically, believed, I mean, he told it to him a minute ago, but then he just told it to him again. So, te- I mean, this is the third encounter with God, but in this particular encounter, he actually hears it twice. So this is really the fourth time. So what happens a lot of times, people will say, I've already prayed, I've already prayed, I've already had hands laid on me, I've already heard from the Lord. But... And therefore, they don't get prayed for again. They refuse to be, they refuse to allow the Lord to speak to them again. We've seen this time and time again where people are like, you know, like this morning. This morning, God God had a word for people dealing with fear, worry, anxiety, emotional roller coasters, stress. And I was like, there's an anointing here to break that off of your life. And there were several people that were like, but I've already been prayed for for that. Yeah, so had Abraham. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times God had to give him the word before his heart could get in agreement. Before his heart could get in agreement. So if there's a, if you're believing, I mean, there is, there, there is a truth that once you're prayed for and you receive it in your heart, you're healed and you don't have to be prayed for anymore. But be sensitive to the spirit. If the spirit is nudging you, then you need that word from the Lord to get you back into faith. That, you've been fighting this battle so long that, you're, that your faith is weary. And so be quick to say, yes, Lord, I receive that, Lord. Oh, there's anointing? This is my moment. Yes, Lord. And that's what God, God knows we deal with insecure. God knows that we deal, deal with fear and doubt. And so he'll just keep telling you the same thing and the same thing. And the same thing. And he'll keep bringing people to, into your life that will tell you the same thing in different ways. And if it takes you once hearing it, great. But most people need to hear it three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. I know when I was dealing with my back issues. I mean, I had hands laid on me enough times that it probably wore a hair off of my head. Because I was struggling in fear and unbelief. But then I got to the point where, like, I got this. But then Satan got a hold, but then Satan started, there'd be, you know, and I'd be really, I'd be in a lot of pain, I'd really be struggling, and I'm like talking to God, and I'm like, I just need something to break. And they'd say, there's an impartation for healing, if you need healing in your body, come up. And I got in this place where I was like, "Mm mm-mm, I've already received it, I've already received it. And I left in as much pain, if not more pain, than I was in before they ever gave the altar call. And that went on for months. 
And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't get it. He said, I've given you opportunities time and time again to hear me speak to you, and you've rejected those opportunities. And I was like, oh. So the next time that there was a healing line and there was a nudge in my spirit, I was the first one. Yes, I need to hear, I, I need to hear that again. I need to hear. How much you know? At 75, 80 years old, you need to hear it more than once. You're going to have a baby. And it's going to come out of your ability. You're going to have a baby. It's going to come out of your ability. As we look at this, we're going to find out that Sarah laughed, not only because was she past the point of menstruation, but he was past the point of doing his manly part too. There was nothing going on down below for either one of them. How much do you know you've got some fear and unbelief to overcome? You've got some doubt and unbelief to overcome. Come on. You've got some stuff you've got to overcome. Um, now, now, right here in, in verse 6 is, is, is the wondrous thing. Is he, it says, and he believed in the Lord. Now, how many know that whenever you're praying for something or you're believing for healing, that it tells you you have to believe that you receive? Yes. So at the moment that he believed in the Lord, at the moment down. he believed, that's, and he didn't have to say anything. He just had to believe. Yep. And, and, and it says, and he counted it to him for righteousness. At that moment, God said, yep, he's got it. Yep. Now, did it happen instantaneously? No. 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 Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. Let's turn to chapter 16. Let's look at chapter 16. And let's look at verse 1 and 2. And, uh, all right. And in chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram's and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Well, he's getting in trouble. Now he's getting in doubt. He was believing before, but now he's getting in doubt. Now he's back to doubting. Now he's back to doubting. And not doubting. only that, but now now his wife and him are again are starting to fall into sin. Why? Because Satan's whispering to them. Satan's saying, see, you didn't, God, God I know what God promised you, but, he, but have you had any children yet? No. Huh. And yeah, several, and several years, years had passed. passed. Many yeah. years had passed at this point. Many years had passed. Now God's, and, and, and not only that, but Satan twisted a little further. He says, hey, God said you're, you're going to be the father of many nations, but you haven't had any children. So we need, to, we need to do something to help God out here. I guarantee you, God, I guarantee you, Satan whispered in Sarah's ear and said, God didn't say anything about you being the mother. I guarantee it. Yep. I guarantee you. Part of what causes people to, when, they're, when you're waiting for a manifestation of healing, we can get in our own way, and Sarah got in her way, and Sarah got in Abraham's way, and your family can get in your way also. Your friends can get in your way, because what Sarah did is Sarah said, Abraham, I think God needs a little help. Have you ever tried to help God do something for your life? I know I have. I know I have. Well, I just feel like if I could do this, then God, uh, then God could do it this way. God does not do things the way we want him to do or the way we think he should do them. We really have to get a hold of that. We really have to get a hold of just because I can't see the way doesn't mean that there's no way. Just because I say, well, God, you can do it like this 
doesn't mean that he's going to do it that way. In fact, I can just about guarantee you that if you're going to say, God, you can do it this way, that's the way he's not going to do it. That's not, that's the way he's not going to do it. There's been so many things in my life that I thought, God, you can do it just like this. It would be so simple. And God does it a totally different way. I mean, I, I, I guarantee you most people that have believed for finances, have, yeah. and they're like, oh, God, I need finances. Help me. And then, and then that, you know, that, that's great. They prayed. But now they're right. like, oh, I'm going to help God out. I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless That's, God tells you to do that, don't do that. Because then all you're doing is, if, if you're wanna, if you're gonna go buy a lottery, take it, take that money and put it in the offering plate. Seriously. Yep. That's a got, more, you, you got, that's you, a more assured guarantee than the lottery. You've got, you've got a guarantee of a return from the offering plate. You yeah. don't have a guarantee of a return from that lottery no, ticket. No, you in don't. Fact, the lottery ticket's almost guaranteed not to, to have cost a you money. Now, if God tells you to, that's a totally different story. But if you say, Wow, look at that, God. It's up to, you know, $26 million. Man, what we could do for the church. Come on, God. I'm going to direct me to the right store. I'll tell the you devil what. will oblige you. I'll tell you what. I, 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 when it gets up to like half a billion dollars, I'm like, you know, it only takes one ticket. So why not? I'll put one in there. And, and then hey, I look at if his I wife. Win, if I win, I'll cut. The, the, then I look at him and I go, I'm going to be blessed and so is the church. And every time he does it, I look at him and he hasn't done it in a long time. But every time he would do it, I'd look at him and say, did you hear from the Holy Ghost? And he'll say, no. I said, well, then that, then all you did was throw the money away. Not saying that God can't use the lottery because he can. But you have to be led by the Spirit. Oh, yeah. You so have when, to be when led people by the of Spirit. faith hearken to those not in faith, see, I was in faith, she wasn't. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyways. Whatever. That's... whatever. So here's the deal. If you're in faith in God, then you're trusting in God. And you can be in faith and still put it into your own hands. And when you put it into your own hands, you mess things up and you delay the plan of God. So she went to her husband. I imagine the conversation kind of went something like this. Sarah probably went to Abram and said, Abram, I know the Lord's talked to you about this three or four times, and he said you're going to be the father of many nations, but he never said anything about me being the mother of nations. And, you know, I'm past the point of menstruation and this and that and the other. So, Abram, I think that it's prob- I think that maybe we need to help God out, and I'm going to send Hagar to your bedchamber, and you go ahead and lay with her, and then we'll just, we'll just help God that way. Well, guess what? Hagar got pregnant. Yep. So how much do you know that that helped Abram's faith? But how much do you know that damaged Sarah's faith? Because now Sarah's like, see, the problem was me the whole time. Yep. And, and now she's got to work twice as hard to get built back up. And this, and, and not only that, Abram got back, got over into sin, and, and, and so now this slowed everything back down. And, and like and like Doc Kathy said, uh, in verse sixteen it says, "And Abraham was fourscore and six years old. That's eighty-six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram." Now, so that. So remember, this is eleven years down the road. Yeah, eleven years after God originally promised this, so it took it. it he had some time to get in doubt and to get in fear, and 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 his wife as well, because I'm sure he told her about this. Yeah. So here's the deal: if you because she's going to be wondering, you're 75 years old. What are you doing trying to have kids? Yeah. yeah. If you're uh, if you're believing for a miraculous healing, you if you've been diagnosed with something that got that the doctors say there's no hope in. 
and you've been standing and believing in faith for healing, and it's not yet come, keep standing. Keep standing. They were, they were 11 years in, and then they took matters out of God's hands and put them in, they tried in to their help own God. hands. They tried to help God. Listen, they, don't And that help probably God. started when they were 10 years in, because it takes yeah. a little time for yeah. the baby to be, born, be conceived and be born. Right. Don't help God. Don't help God. Now, it'd be a totally different story if God said, if God came to Sarah and said, Sarah, that's, I'm, I'm not going to do it through you. I'm going to do it through Hagar. Then that'd be a totally different story. But that didn't happen. She just took it in her own might and power. No, stay with God. If you're believing for healing, you need to stay with God. doesn't matter if it takes 11 days, 11 weeks, 11 months, or 11 years. Stay with God. All right. All right. We're going to go on? Let's go to chapter 17, verse 1. All right. So, and it says, when Abraham was 90 years old and 9. So now he's 99 years old. So we went from 86 so, to 99. And that, that, means, that means his child, yeah, yeah. 24 years, 24 af- years total. after he was told. And, it, and yeah. his first child out of wedlock is what, 9? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Lord appeared to Abram. Oh, no, 13. 13. Okay. 13. I was just doing, I was quick. I wasn't, okay. I wasn't thinking. Years. I was just So passing. here it is. It's another 13 years. How much you know, if Sarah and Abraham hadn't tried to take this and put this in their own hands, they wouldn't have been 99. They would have been maybe in their 90s. Maybe. Somewhere, maybe. Yeah. Early right. 90s, late 80s. Who knows? So he's 99 years old, and the Lord appears to Abraham. Because, you know, he, Abraham's thinking, see, I've done fixed it for the Lord. I got a child. And the Lord appears to Abraham and says unto, says unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, For as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father for a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant before thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. So this is where... He starts talking about covenant at this point. He starts talking about covenant. But notice in the first portion of this, he's telling Abraham, he comes to Abraham again. This is the fourth time he comes. This is technically the fifth time he makes the... He tells him, and this time, God is talking covenant. 
The prior time is when God sealed the covenant. We didn't get into that. But in chapter 15 is where he actually, because Abraham said, I hear you and I believe in you, but what am I going to, what do I have to base this faith on? And God said, let's make a covenant. And remember, they made, and they made the covenant right then. And uh, so now here. And it's a covenant sealed with blood. Right. And now he comes to him many years later, 13, 15, 16 years later, he comes to him again and he says, listen. I have a covenant. I have a contract. I told you I am going to make you the father of many nations. And I'm and, the almighty God, right, not I'm you. I'm the God. <laughs> I'm the one that can do this. Basically, he was reproving. He was rebuking Abraham. And he told, I mean, he, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham to give him a point of contact. But he said, you are to walk upright. You are to walk righteous. Uh, he was basically telling him, Abraham... He said, you got into, ten, into sin back there, and you messed up my plan, and you slowed things down. He said, now, I'm trying to bring you healing. I'm trying to get you in a position to where, you can, where I can do in you what I need to do in you, but you have to stop walking in your own mindset and ability. You have to walk upright. You have to walk in my plans. You have to walk in my statutes. You have to show yourself faithful god got real with him and sometimes we need god to get real with us but the key here is god said well, look at verse one again what did he say in verse one and when abraham was 99 years old and nine the lord appeared to abraham and said unto him i am the almighty god Walk before me and be thou perfect. Now, he doesn't mean, Abram, don't make any mistakes. He said, Abram, it's time for you to grow up. To be mature. And it's time for you to be mature, and it's time for you to walk in what I called you to walk in. It's time for you to do what I called you to do. And so he, so they, so he gets on his face, and he starts really rebuking Abraham. Now let's jump down to verse 15 because here is where he begins to deal with Sarah. Yep. So he, he was talking about covenant, and, and but that's not what this sermon's about. Right. So 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Now her name Sarai actually means uh, prince or princess. Or princess. princess. Uh, but when he changed her from Sarai to Sarah, it means the queen of princes. In other words, she was going to be the queen, the mother. He, he basically told her every time she heard the word Sarah, because they understood what their names meant. She, every time she heard somebody call her by the name Sarah, she heard, you are the queen of princes. Another word, not princesses, not, but, but princes are going to come out of you. Royalty is going to come out of you. There's going to be a bloodline of royalty that's going to come from you. Guess what? We're that royalty. In and through Jesus Christ, we are those princes and princesses. We are, through Jesus Christ, we are that child. We, that's who we are. And he goes on in 16. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yes, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed, yep. and laughed at God, and said in his and said in his heart, "Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, 
and shall Sarah that is ninety uh, and and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear children? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. So he's saying, Hey, wait, I've got this one over here. I already made a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Okay, we're good. You kept going. You were supposed to stop. Sorry. (laughs) You were supposed to stop. Uh, I get excited. So he gets excited. You got to stop. So here, uh, Abraham laughs at God, but he's laughing at God because of because in his heart he's like, God, is that even possible? Have you ever had God speak something to your heart and then you laughed at God, not not out of not out of doubt, not out of unbelief, but just kind of out of a shocked awe that God would speak that to you? I remember, I remember laughing at God as a teenager. I was in the Episcopal Church, and at that time, women were not, it had just, it had just become a thing where the women in the church were actually able to do the scripture reading. Up until then, it was always done by the men. Um, and, and the minister was up there, and, and I heard in my spirit, and I didn't know what the voice of God was. I didn't know how to hear the voice of God. I didn't know anything. But all of a sudden, down on the inside, but my spirit knew. My spirit was alive unto God. And all of a sudden, I, as, I, as I looked at the pastor, I heard the Lord say this. He said, um, he, he, the Lord said, he said, you're going to be a pastor just like him. And I, and, and, which was very odd to me to hear that and to understand it because in the Episcopal Church, we don't really call them pastors. We call them fathers. We know that they're the pastor of the church, but we call them fathers. And so that was weird. He said, you're going to be like him. You're going to, he, he, I heard the Lord, I looked up at him and I heard the Lord say this. I didn't know it was the Lord. I thought it was my head. Uh, but I heard the Lord say, you're going to be like him. You're going to be a pastor. And I literally laughed out loud in the church service. I literally, which is a big no-no in the Episcopal Church, I literally laughed out loud. And I said, God, shows what you know. Women aren't even allowed to be ministers. I wasn't being, I wasn't scoffing God. I mean, the word scoffed God, but my heart was like, wait, what? Wait, like, what? Like, it was just a question in my heart. (laughs) Like, how can that be? Um, And that's really what Abraham did here is he was like. He's like, I'm 100 years old. That's not even possible. He's like, like, God, God, you need to find somebody else. Has God ever called you to do something and you felt completely unqualified? How much do you know Abraham feels completely unqualified to be the father of many nations? And hey. If if God can take a man that's 90 and a, I mean, a man that's 100 and a woman that's 90 and make, a, make them the parents of many nations, how, how much, much can he make you able to get up and stand in front of people and talk? That's right. That's right. Let's go to Genesis 18. We're going to look at verses 9 through 15. 9 through 15. Just 9 through 15? Just 9 through oh, 15. On. Genesis 18, 9 through 15. And, they, and let's see this here. All right. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. 
And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. Now when it says, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, Sarah's 80 years old. And God said, I'm going to return Sarah to the time of life. Well, he's, she's 90 years old. Or 90 years old. And he says, I'm going to return her to the time of life. Listen, she's done gone through all the childbearing years. She's already dealt with men. She's already done all of her menstruations, all of that. She's already gone through the hardship of menopause. She's already gone through all of that. There ain't nothing going on down below. And God says, I'm going to return you to the time of life. She's like, uh, excuse me? I have been set free from that. Thank you, Jesus. And you're going to return me back to that time period? You're going to turn the clock back? I don't know a woman that wouldn't laugh at that, to be honest. To be honest. Oh, yes, God, let me return back to the time of life. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so he's going to turn back, uh, so he's, he's going to return her to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. So he's, so Abraham's standing at the tent door. He and God are talking. She's in the tent eavesdropping, and, get, and she hears this. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord... Am I still going? Yeah. Okay. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? God said, Why is she laughing at this? He's like, Do y'all not understand my ability? Why is she laughing? Hello, God, pay attention. Hello. How much you know, at this point, Jesus had not yet come to the earth, and there is a disconnect between our reality and God's understanding of our reality. <laughs> He's like, why is she laughing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn back the clock, and she's laughing at me. So, and then the Lord replies and says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah God. denied saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Glory to God. Glory to God. I've lost my place. Well, that was, that was how far we were supposed to go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so he said, No, Sarah, you did laugh. You did. And she said, No, I didn't. How much do you know? The Lord, when the Lord starts to correct you or say something, you're like, ah, the, the, No, Lord, that's not what it meant. No, Sarah was in total unbelief. But, and, and how much, you know, when you've got, you, there's, there's times that, you know, you're like believing and believing and believing, and then, you, and then something happens, and you realize, wow, I really am in unbelief. You know, I've been believing God for a financial breakthrough, and I remember earlier this year, I'm like, I'm believing, I'm believing, I've been standing, I've been believing, I've been standing, I've been believing, and God, the Spirit of God spoke to me, he said, you're not in faith. And I said, what? He said, you're not in faith. And I said, yes, Lord, I am in faith. He said, if you were in faith, you'd quit begging me. Oh, oh. How much do you know? When, when you get into that point, that position of correction, um, and I'm going to tell you, I, 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 was like, I was like, wait, what? I kind of giggled. I said, wait, what? 
he exposed my unbelief. Did he expose my unbelief so that I could feel bad and condemned about it? No. He exposed my my unbelief so that I could work towards getting in belief so I could obtain what the Lord had spoken to my heart. And that's what he was doing. He was exposing her unbelief. And he said, Sarah, he said, you did laugh. You're in unbelief. But guess what? In time, Abraham and Sarah both grew up. And let's look at chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. So in, in between, at the, so the reason why we're stepping out on this chapter is because this is, from here it switches gears and it goes straight into the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, or the yeah. account of Sodom and Gomorrah, and how, how Lot uh, interceded for the men of Sodom, and, and then eventually uh, more time Sodom by. and Gomorrah is destroyed. And, and remember now, Sarah and Abraham are aware of this, of course, yeah. and, and they see what actually happens. You know? Yeah. All right. So then we're on, t- on the 24? No, 21. 21. Okay. Genesis 21, verses 1 through 7. Let's look at these. Uh, 1 through 7. All right. And the Lord visited Sarah, and he said, and, and he had said, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For so Sarah, the healing did come. Yep. So he, the healing actually comes. For Sarah conceived and bare Abram, Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham conceived his son, his son Isaac, being eight days old, or circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me and she said who would have said to unto abraham that sarah could have given children suck for i have borne him a son in his old age so now so when you know, once god really once they got rebuked by god once they made the correction once they got right once god called out sarah's unbelief Sarah began to make some changes that, that when she laughed at God out loud and God said, no, Sarah, you did laugh. That convicted Sarah. That did something for Sarah. And Sarah said, you know what? It's time to get rid of this unbelief because God in all of these years has not changed what he said. And so he, so something about that laughter, that conversation, and God calling her out, that shifted, that did something in Sarah. God will, if you're believing for healing and you're, you're struggling, just begin to talk to God and let God correct you. And as he corrects you, make the adjustments. And as you make those adjustments, it makes room for healing to take place. It makes room for that healing to come occur. But he spoke when... Uh, when um, Abram was 75 years old. He's now 100. It took 25 years to get past their unbelief so that he could bring the promise of healing into existence. It took that much time to get them out of that place. And so if you're believing for healing, if you're believing for God to do a work in you, don't look at the clock and say, well, God's not going to do it. No, if you're looking at the clock and it's not started and it's not happened, it's a good time to go to God and say, God, you never get it wrong. Where am I missing it? Is there, is there, uh, is there unbelief in me that I don't recognize? 
Is there, is there a lack of faith in me? Am I saying, am I doing something? Is there something going on in my life that's blocking this manifestation? And let God talk to you and let God begin to deal with you. And she named her son Isaac, which means laughter. In other words, she, in other words, she acknowledged every time she called Isaac's name, she recognized, she said, God, you called my doubt and unbelief out in my laughter, and that's what brought my son into manifestation. Now, now, it's not a bad thing to be rebuked and corrected by God. Now, remember, God's the one that said what, what his name would be. Yes. Right? So, so after, after Abraham laughed at God, he said, you're going to name your son Laughter. Yeah. And then Sarah laughed at God. And, and, and this just even confirmed more yeah. that he should be called laughter. Yeah. Because God said, you're going to laugh at me? I'll show you. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's not a bad thing. Um, now, here's a very cool thing about this. Uh, let's go to Roman, I mean Hebrews 11.11. 11. This, is, this is such a wonderful, uh, Hebrews 11.11. 11. This is such a wonderful account of healing that it's even talked about in the New Testament. Why? Because they were in the battle for healing for 25 years. For 25 years, they were in this battle. How much do you know? If you need a divine miracle, a divine healing, you need to stay in the fight of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. Okay. It says, This is the great faith chapter. I love this chapter. Through faith? Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She, through faith, through obedience, through obedience, she said, okay, God. She said, we're going to have a kid. I don't understand it, but we're going we're gonna to go on and we're going to do our wifely duties. And okay, here we go. Through faith. She acted through faith. She decided, okay, and she she made the decision. She judged God to be faithful as He promised. She said, God, you've been talking to us for about this for 25 years. So, okay, here I am. I surrender. Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. So many times people fail to get healed because they quit too early. Romans chapter four. Romans chapter 4. In verse 17. These, uh, these are the last two scriptures on this. Romans chapter 4 well, verse. It's all together. Yeah, yeah, Romans chapter 4. Starting in verse 17. All right, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Would you look at that? God quickened the dead. Listen to me. Abraham's ability to fulfill his manly duties in the bedroom was dead. Abraham Out of Abraham's own words. Out of Abraham's Abraham's own physical condition, he was unable to perform his bedroom duties. But, and God knew that. But God said, yep, that which is dead, I call it alive. Look at what he said. He said, even God who quickened the dead. Now, Abraham wasn't dead. 
his sexual ability was dead, but he himself wasn't dead. But look at what it says. It said, God who quickened the dead and called it those things which are not as though they were. If you've got some part in your body that you could say is dead, is not working, is not functioning, then you need to begin to say what God says. My mind is alive, quick, and functioning. Whatever your organs, if you're, you know, you've got organs that aren't working properly. Father, I thank you that you've quickened this part of my mortal body. If you've got pieces, if you've got uh, artificial parts in your body, Father, I thank you. you. God can go in there and remove the artificial and put in the real thing. Father, I thank you that you've made my knee, my elbow, my joint, whatever the situation is. Father, I thank you that you've made this part of my body alive again. Amen. Quickened it alive again. So, so verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope, against all hope basically, believed in hope that he, or believed in God, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now, which effectively was now dead, when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, who was 90 years old. We all know if women aren't menstruating, they're not having children. He's been living with her his entire life. He knows that that process has stopped. He's well acquainted that that process has stopped. Not only does he have to look past the deadness of his body, he has to look past the deadness of his wife's body. He has to look past that, and he has to look at what God says. We have to look past the doctor's reports. We have to look past the symptoms of the body, and we have to say what God says. See, the, the things that we consider impossible, God does not. He said, he said, basically what he said, he said, when there was no natural hope, he hoped in the Lord Jesus. If you are fighting a sickness that the doctors say, you're going to deal with this the rest of your life, there's no natural hope, then what you have to do is you have to stop looking at the natural and start looking to the supernatural. Amen. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, we say faith. In the Old Testament, they say obedience. Obedience. So what does that mean? That means that even though there was no, there was no life, we can say, in the marital bedroom, there was no life. Guess what they had to do? By faith, they had to act by faith in obedience that they were going to do their part so that God could bring life to the situation. So if you are, if you're dealing with some sickness in your body, some lack in your body, you're going to have to move by faith. You're going to have to do it by faith. If the doctors say, you're not going to be able to do this or that, or you're never, ever, you're never going to walk again, you're never going to do this again, you're never going to do that again, then you have to start doing it by faith. Where do you start? Start in your mind. See yourself being able to do those things. Begin to start to do them by faith. Dad Hagen said this, that, and, and, I, and it took me some time to get there, but I thought, I mean, I grabbed a hold of it, and I've run with it, and I've received recovery after recovery after recovery, healing after healing, and honestly, I have zero pain in my back anymore. Every once in a while, if I bend in a certain way for an extended period of time, that pain will come, but I just speak to it, and I go, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. You have to do it by faith. 
You have to step out and you have to go by faith. Dad Hagen said this. He said, the healed of the Lord do not stay in the bed. The healed of the Lord do not stay in the bed. In other words, when you're sick, don't lay in the bed. In fact, medical science is even saying this now. Listen, they just did a hip replacement on Sandy and sent her home the same morning. They're finding out that once they do their part, the people have got to do their part, and they actually get a faster recovery. This is why pe- this is why hospitals don't keep you anymore. People my age and older, they get all faster. Well, you can't go in the hospital. You go to the hospital, they're just going to kick you out. Yeah, they're going to kick you out because they come to understand what the Bible says. If you're healed, act healed. If you're healed, act healed. So guess what Abraham and Sarah did? They acted yep. healed. In verse 21, it says, And being fully persuaded that... What he had promised, he was able also to perform. Glory so to God. so they, they went ahead and they did what God said they had to do, and, 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 it, and it happened. Yes. God, they, he became the father of many nations. That's right. So you've got to stagger not. You've got to just, he said they were fully persuaded. In other words, they looked past their mental mind. They looked past the physical situation, and they said, God said it, therefore I believe it. God said it, therefore I believe it. And that's how their healing came. That's how we got, that's how we got Isaac. That's how we got Jacob. That's how we got all the way to where we got Jesus. And now we're in that faith too. And it's up to us to walk by faith and not by sight. But before God could perform this miracle, they both had to get in alignment with what God had promised. Yes. They both had to believe yes. that they would receive. Yes. And it took them 25 years. It took them 25 years. So listen, if you've been believing for healing for a year, don't get discouraged. If you've been believing for healing for two years, five years, ten years, twenty years, don't get discouraged. If you'll get in faith and you'll stay in faith, that's the key. It's not just getting in faith, but staying in faith. And when God has a word for you, receive it. How many times did God have to come and talk to him? How many times did God have to come and talk to him? God even had to come and talk to Sarah directly. How many times did God have to keep coming and keep talking and keep coming and keep talking to get them to that place of faith? Yes, it's true. Once you're in faith, once you've received it by faith, then yes, maybe you don't need to have hands laid on you anymore. Maybe you don't need anybody to pray over you anymore. Maybe that's true. But if there's a prompting in your spirit, respond respond glory to god if our ushers will come glory to god either one of you i don't think we need both of you tonight kind of quiet in the house if you'll hand me an envelope zach as you come please glory to god thank you father thank you lord thank you thank you thank you father thank you father god thank you father thank you lord thank you jesus thank you father glory to god if you'll pray or receive our offering. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for strengthening our faith in you. We thank you for the word that we've heard and the word that we've received. We, it, it falls on good ground. It, it grows in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Lord, we know that this, this fruit will grow in our lives and throughout our lives and bear fruit. And we will meditate on this word. And we will come to understand the truth that we have to stand in faith. That we have to to line up with what you have promised, and we will receive. Thank you, Father. Uh, Father, we thank Lord, you. we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for all that you've done for us, and all that you w- that you will do for us, and all and all that you are currently doing for us. And Lord, we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom. We give 
uh, generously and with and with a grateful heart, knowing that that you will bless us for our our generosity and that we will become a bigger blessing to you and to your kingdom. Lord, we ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the furthering of your work. In Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen. Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is always working. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. You serve the people. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God.